welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Kinetic Life Podcast, brought to you by Kinetic Renew, available in liquid or gel caps. In this episode, crinkle cut shaped scalpel incisions for your next surgery can help you heal five times faster. Speaking of weird evolution, hammerhead sharks can squeeze their gills and hold their breath to go down deep. A 20-hour flight in a luxury stateroom you won't believe. And now, here are your hosts, Michael Shalabudis and Dr. Mark Hertzberg. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Kinetic Life Podcast. Thanks. Which... Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you meant everyone else. Yes, yes. I'm Mike. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Shalavudis, with my good friend who interrupted me, Dr. Mark Hertzberg. And Marcus Interruptus. Yes, that's me. <laughs> and as I was saying, you know, stick around and we got an exciting show for you today. Yes, we do. So everybody hang on and enjoy the ride. The Kinetic Life Podcast is sponsored by Kinetic Renew. With benefits like anxiety relief that doesn't knock you out, Renew increases energy, focus, and provides brain support. So get on with your day with Renew in liquid or gel caps. Visit KineticLife.com now and try it. That's K-I-N-E-T-I-Q Life.com now. So, Mark, next time you, you get surgery, um, when you talk to the surgeon before and you should tell them that, you know, none of this sloppy old school just cut down the line and start doing the surgery, you want a wavy cut. So you're saying I do I do want a sloppy cut, not a nice, neat one. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm calling the uh, straight line sloppy because it's uh, antiquated. I want point. a surgeon with a shaky hand, please. Yeah, one too many Red Bulls before they start, uh, you know, cutting you open. Okay, and there must be some logical reason behind you telling me that I should be doing this. No, it'd just be funny for you to have a shaky surgeon. Oh, well, the, uh, it'd be funny for me to have surgery. I'm not programmed for that. The uh, I just don't know why people like things like that so much, but it's popular, so I guess. But... The interesting science we're going to rip into here with a wavy cut. Forever, surgeons have figured you make a nice, neat, straight line. That's the shortest incision and the least damage you have to do to get into something. And that that should be the least invasive and heal the fastest. Apparently it's not, though. They'd be wrong. I'm okay. not sure how they figured this out originally. Someone just was practicing or... Uh, I... Someone got a $3 million grant. Wow. <laughs> the, Apparently uh, the wavy wavy cut, if you want to call it, you know, and it's up and down motion. Think of a crinkle fry. Yeah. 
dicryclofry shape actually improves the ability for cells to connect. They kind of connect on an angle. It five times faster healing and a much less reduction in scar tissue where in the past you had to get a special plastic surgeon there to suture you up the right way to reduce scar tissue now you get that sloppy baseball stitch but as long as you have a wavy cut you're going to reduce scar tissue and there's a reason for this when you have a cut there are now two sections that used to be connected that are now separated that have to reconnect so there are some cells that will show up in that Gap. They got to kind of build a bridge, then pull it together to connect the shorelines, and they will move along the edges of the straight thing and grow more cells and more cells and more cells till they slowly reach across in a process called reepithelialization, which <laughs> seems like it has an extra two syllables, Leah Lisa, but it's reepithelialization. So, I would have just said reepithelialization, but nope, it's reepithelialization. Okay, so in any case, uh, saying that 500 times made my tongue go in swirly motions, and that's a reason for my madness. Apparently, when you make uneven, wavy, circular, tortuous cuts, kind of like shorelines of rivers are, not a straight line. The cells and the liquid they're in start into a swirling vortex. And this seems to spread and grow them faster. So it's the kind of the medium they're in uh, leads around the waves instead of just being a straight water flow. Like in a, It's more like if the river hits all these things, you get currents and waves and white water rafting. And that seems to make the cells grow faster. So it would be much better for the surgeon to make a wavy wound. It'll feel, even though it's a bigger wound, more surface area, it'll heal faster. And to me, this makes complete sense. Evolutionarily speaking, do you want to take a guess why? Uh, because most times you got hurt in nature. It was not a straight line. <laughs> there you go. In real life, when you get a straight line thing, it'll be something like, I left the nail sticking out of the wood of this friend and I walked by it fast and made a straight cut. But as a general rule, things that happen to you in nature or in battle, in battle goes back, you know, animals fighting, not just, uh, they tend to be like teeth mark on straight lines, claw marks on straight lines, falling down a hill and banging yourself up doesn't make straight lines. The healing process deals with uneven shapes. Yeah, and if it's, it could heal quicker and reduce the amount of scar tissue, which is, I mean, energy intensive to build the scar tissue, and then that causes issues in itself, uh, it's just an evolutionary benefit. So it makes complete sense. Now, it's this is something that, you know, you don't need, uh, it's not, I guess it's considered new technology, if you want to say it's a new, um, uh, new results. But, I mean, this is something that could be implemented implemented today. But, I mean, good luck trying to reteach every single doctor out there. Also, it's, it's things that just don't feel right on a gut level. Even if you take new students who haven't been surgeons yet, it's hard enough to get and train them to do something that seems this weird for people who've done it for years. Something that just on a gut level doesn't feel right is much harder to integrate. But... It's real easy in robotic surgeons doing the cutting to program them to do this. That's true. 
Well, hopefully they start teaching this at, at you know, local medical colleges. But uh, otherwise, I mean, do we really want to rely on the robots? Well, on another episode, we'll be talking about some robotic procedures being done. So why not? <clears throat> Simple technology. It's As long as there's some results out there, let's get the doctors to start using it. Next time I need surgery, I'm going to have a few... Few uh, words to my doctor, see if he'll uh, actually listen to me. But most likely, he'll look at me like I'm crazy. Well, it'll be like shopping for uh, fabric and different things to to like that. A tailor going. Well, do you want uh, like this shape frill on the car or this shape? And I'm going. <laughs> I want my. I want my. Want to wave a crinkle fry? Yeah. Cut me up like a crinkle fry. Ooh. I challenge you to make your life a masterpiece. I challenge you to join the ranks of those people who live what they teach, who walk their talk. I believe life is constantly testing us for our level of commitment, and life's greatest rewards are reserved for those who demonstrate a never-ending commitment to act until they achieve. This level of resolve can move mountains, but it must be constant and consistent. Tony Robbins. Amazing but true weird science. We're going to talk about how hammerhead sharks keep their body temperatures warm while diving to extreme uh, depths. Not just the how, but the fact that a cold-blooded killer actually has some warm-blooded tendencies. Well, how is this done, Mark? Well, especially if they're ectothermic, which means they cannot regulate their own body temperature. But that's the point. They're not... We're now... the big thing that comes out of this article is that hot-blooded, cold-blooded isn't polar, you know, ends, but part of a continuum, which makes sense because to evolve hot-bloodedness, it probably wasn't one animal was suddenly hot-blooded, warm-blooded. It was a bit-by-bit development. So sharks do not normally control their temperature. They're cold-blooded, and as they get colder, they slow down, and they will seek water uh, to suit the the temperature that they're more comfortable in or operate better in. So as opposed to warming themselves, keeping and maintaining a temperature as they go through water of different temperatures. But they have to, a lot of their feeding is very deep. And when you go that deep, and I guess the hammerhead specifically has something it feeds on that's way deeper. When you go that deep, uh, it gets colder. It also gets more pressure. Now, whales, when they go deeper, do things with the lungs and stuff to regulate internal pressure. Uh, the hammerhead sharks. Now, I never heard this term before for fishes with gills that don't breathe air. But the hammerhead, they'll use the term holds its breath. I never knew that they could seal both sides and hold it in. So they essentially seal their gills. Right, because basically with gills... It's kind of like a jet engine. Air enters one side, goes out the other. Not it comes in, you hold it, and then put it out the same thing. So I never knew they had the capability to stop the process, but they do. They can hold their breath, and by holding their breath, they get warmer because one of the ways, when when the water goes through, you lose heat. So they are holding, you know, so... The way of maintaining heat. So basically... They're only losing heat from the surface. That's also why they have to be a certain size. Because the bigger you are, the less surface you have compared to the inside. So the longer it would take to cool off. 
Mm. Okay, so it apparently they can hold their temperature, maintain it, or they probably aren't really maintaining it like a polar bear does uh, in cold weather. They're simply way slowing down the cooling so that they, they can stay operational long enough to get their food and come back up. Yeah, well, according to uh, the study, they could actually stay in the, at the depths uh, much longer than they actually do. I believe it was like 8 to 10 minutes is what they could stay, but they only go down for like 2 to 3 minutes and then come back up. Right, so it's just long enough. It's not, They also can't hold their breath. They're not like whales that hold their breath an hour and a half. So I guess these two things are about uh, coordinated. How long can you hold your breath and how long till you would get too cold anyway? Uh, so it's, it's interesting in so many levels that they do this. Uh the uh, it's also one thing to remember when I said about the heat. When you exhale again, go out on a cold day and exhale. Your breath is hot, which means you're losing heat. Yeah. But water transfers heat much uh, faster than air does. Of course. And they're breathing water, so they would lose way more. They're saving way more heat by not doing that. But it also leads to something else that makes a lot of sense but I didn't realize beforehand which is uh, as I talked about surface area and how much heat transfer and keeping warm bloodedness Mm -hmm. and the fact that water does much more all of the warm blooded land animals that move back into water dolphins, whales uh, sea lions walruses, a whole bunch are all large and even the ancestors who weren't nearly as large as them were pretty large. No rodents ever did it. And the reason is they can't survive the heat transfer in water. Ah, uh, that makes sense. That's what most of those larger animals you see in the ocean, not in the land. Right. So, But also, uh, it could be that if, you know, like uh, a hippo, which is a really big land animal... That spends a lot of time in the water because being big, it, it can deal with the heat transfer. Uh, by water standards, it's not nearly that big. Yeah. But, you know, what animal is big enough to originally start making the transfer? And probably things our size uh, could do it. Though I think a lot of them might have been bigger. But I think the ancestor of whales was a very wolf-like animal. So it might have been... In the weight range of us, but it wasn't a three-pound or a ten-pound thing. <laughs> the ancestors of whales was, was a, a wolf-like animal. I feel like that's another whole topic in itself. Oh, yeah, well, okay. Uh, I don't know how we go from a wolf with the sharp teeth to the... Bird. I don't know about its teeth specifically, although, yeah, whales did come from things with teeth. Uh, and then, again, dolphins have the teeth. Uh, sperm whale have the teeth. Baleen whales don't have the teeth. Yeah, it's like ba- I think but they baleen. they used to. Interesting, but we're gonna get off topic if we uh if we go down that road. That's uh, we save that for for another time. Failure is simply the opportunity to begin again. This time, more intelligently. Henry Ford. It's fine to celebrate success, but it's more important to heed the lessons of failure. Bill Gates. I have never let my schooling interfere with my education. Mark Twain. Courage doesn't always roar. 
Sometimes courage is a quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. Marianne Radmacher. On that note, Mark, when was the last time you were on a 20 hour flight? Uh, airplane or drug induced? <laughs> Either or. Neither. I don't take long flights, baby. Your planes are too slow if it takes 20 hours to get anywhere. Oh, but it, you know what? It sounds irritating. Yeah, no, I can't say I've ever been on a 20 hour flight, nor did I knew one existed. Yeah, I usually think anything that long, you're doing multiple stops and, and jumper. But apparently, uh, there is a plane, the A350 uh, from Owned Qantas. By... Ah, an other land down under thing who is far, far away from everyone else on Earth except New Zealand. Uh, so it makes sense yeah, that they're Asia concerned the about 20-hour flights. Yes, so apparently this is direct flights, I guess, from uh, Australia to Europe or North America. Take a long time. So, uh, obviously, you know, the airlines love to pack as many seats in as possible, but I guess realizing that uh, you pack someone in like a sardine, it's one thing to be doing a two-hour flight to Florida, it's another to do a 20-hour flight I cannot imagine the agitation uh, or the fact that I'm pretty sure 20 hours in a tiny seat, you probably get blood clots at that point. I run to remember a 12-hour flight that we got switched to a smaller plane and squished in, which is a long and great story itself. But I, who am not gigantic, was squished in. And my friends who were my size or a little smaller were squished in. And I was pointing out that the poor kid who was at least your height, maybe our producer's height in the 6'3 to 6'5 range, was squished in just as small a seat a couple seats ahead of us and going, we don't fit in in the 5'6, five, 5'7 five, range. He uh, will probably need to be inflated <laughs> when this is over. Oh, geez. Well, on Qantas is putting together, I guess, on their... Very large A350 that has a range of about 10,000 miles, which is ridiculous uh, for those for you know who understand how far that actually is. But their first class seats are turning into mini staterooms, as they described it. And I'll I'll put a link uh, to show the images, but it actually looks like a, a small room. There's a, a bed, a seat. There's a 32 inch flat screen TV. Uh, it is a little it's, bit of luxury to help you sleep and entertain yourself for, for it's a kind day. Of like on trains, used to have sleeper cars. Uh, but that's the thing. The, you know, I'm not sure if any of you look for international flights, but you know, they have the Delta has Delta One or whatever, uh, which is their kind of premium sleeper seats, and those could go, you know, for anywhere from three to five thousand dollars for a one way, depending on where you're going. They haven't actually, I couldn't find a price for this, and I could only imagine if they're, the entire first class is only consisting of four little staterooms for a 20-hour flight. Six. Uh, uh, sorry, six uh, little staterooms for a 20-hour flight. I would imagine it's got to be in like the ten to $15,000 range. Well, yeah, it's, they're not the whole thing. There's six first class seats. And there's business and class And then there's seats. business class. Now, the business class 
would have a smaller version of the stateroom. Like, for one thing, they go, in first class, you have a bed uh, next to a workstation. In the state, in the business class, the bed becomes a workstation. So, so uh, it had most of the same amenities. It's just, you know, how it's done and... Well, it's privacy. Yeah. Uh, the staterooms, literally, it's a right. closed door. You could, I guess, technically get naked and climb into bed. But, uh, you know, the, the business class is just a little, you know, little divider. Right. And they Please never mentioned, <laughs> because, all, you know, they're competing with planes that have a lot more people on. So they never mentioned if they're saying this will be available as opposed to this is the only thing they'll put on those planes. There might be regular seats also. Well, uh, if they're doing it, they got it. You know, if that one stateroom consists of three to four first class seats, they're going to make up in, in price. On the flip yeah. side, you could take five different flights to get from A to B, and it'll cost you probably one tenth the amount. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of layovers. <laughs> so right, now, here you're talking about competing technologies. Also, number one, if you make these expensive staterooms and you have enough people doing it, do you start saying, well, we can do it on even bigger planes and bring the bigger planes back that are now out of favor, the, the 747 and the 380. But, you know, the reason there are these long flights is we don't have supersonic. And on other episodes, we might talk about there's a lot of work being done uh, bring back the on bringing back, you know, modern versions of the Concorde that don't have all the problems the Concorde have. One of these days, they may get into... Uh, plane to go to the next level of technology that would go up to the edge of space and go way faster. Uh, so any of those advantages would make this less necessary. There's a reverse way of doing the technology, which is there's always talk of bringing back a modern version of the blimp or dirigible. And which is, the, so the idea is something like that would be a couple of days, a few days to go around the world, but basically it would be way faster than an ocean liner. But way slow, but you can walk around. It ha it's more like being in an ocean liner atmosphere for a few days instead of a plane atmosphere for 20 hours. Mm. So there's a lot of things. So you're looking for speed or long-term comfort? I feel like if you retire, you're looking, I'll take the dirigible because you don't care. For the rest of us right. that have, uh, you know, if you're planning, short attention span. Right, if you're planning, like, I'm, going, I'm taking a four-week vacation to Australia... You might say, the, and it becomes available, the dirigible. As opposed to if you take an ocean liner, you're saying, no, that is the trip. Who you, could you, get off for four weeks? Yeah. <laughs> Meaning, but, the, you know, if you're saying it takes a week and a half to cruise in and a week and a half back is a big difference. Uh, on the other hand, if you're going for a business trip, then at this point, this would be the better thing. But getting back to uh, a supersonic would be even better. Mm. Or a hypersonic. This this could again this could be done much faster. So this is probably a smarter short term solution, and it's not uh, unexpected that it's developed by Australia, to whom this is a key thing to some of their uh, tourist industry and even just for business meetings, as opposed to in Europe or America, it's not the primary thing to make a trip to Australia more convenient. Very true. No, I mean, that makes sense. But once you do it, uh, it could expand. Going have a business meeting in Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan. That's also pretty long. <laughs> 
That's very true. But I guess if they're leaving in to say Singapore, Hong Kong, out of somewhere like New York, don't they kind of go north to kind of circumvent some of the distance? Right. And again, most most times you go with stopovers and all. And sometimes if you don't know I'm going to rush, you're going, I'm not doing two long flights with it, like rushing from one plane to the other. I'm going to spend two days, take the trip, spend two days in Paris, then take the next trip. Like if you're coming from San Francisco over to Paris, over to there, or well, from San Francisco, you go to the other direction, whatever. The basic point is Australia it's probably much more important to make the travel more convenient. Now, if you're going from Japan to Australia, you don't really need it. <laughs> Very true. Well, next time I do a, a, a extremely long trip like that, I'll have to look into it, uh, assuming I have the money to pay for said ticket. Ah, by the time you have the money to pay for said ticket... We'll have the hypersonic planes. <laughs> there you go. Thank you again for joining us for another amazing episode of the Kinetic Life Podcast. Appreciate all the love you guys have been sending us. Uh, if you have any questions, again, reach out to us at podcast at kineticlife.com. That's podcast at kinetic, K-I-N-E-T-I-Q, life.com. Uh, again, I'm your host, Mike Shalavudis. I'm the other guy, Mark Hertzberg. Until next time. We're out. Bye-bye. The Kinetic Life Podcast is sponsored by Kinetic Renew. Kinetic Renew is a four-ounce shot of all-natural ingredients that deliver some amazing benefits, like improved mental clarity, long- and short-term focus, and improved memory and cognition. Plus, Kinetic Renew improves mood with the added benefits of anti-stress and anti-anxiety. Here's what people are saying. I drink a bottle of Kinetic Renew. And I'm in a better mood. It's like waking up on the right side of the bed. <laughs> it's great. My mental focus is clearly better. I do notice that I have better clarity. Definitely improves my mood for sure. It reduces my stress. Visit KineticLife.com today. Log on now and use promo code POD1 for 30% off. That's 30% off your order when you use promo code POD1. KineticLife.com. K-I-N-E-T-I-Q Life.com. Do it now. You're going to love Kinetic Renew. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Life Podcast. Catch a new show every other Thursday. You'll find us everywhere you can listen to a podcast. And remember, be safe, have fun, and go for your dreams. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. All comments, jokes, views, and ideas expressed are those of the hosts or guests and do not represent any company or organizations with whom they may be affiliated. Always make sure to consult your own physician before starting any new diet, supplement, or exercise routine. Oh, and there's one more thing. If you're working on something that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. Steve Jobs. <laughs>